Okay, before we read God's word, um, I ask, I would like to ask you to um, let us look to the Lord in prayer this evening. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you this evening, Lord, that we can look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we just remember, O oh God, what Psalmist David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against you. And so we need your word so dearly in our heart, God. It is through your word, God, that you speak to us. And Father, I pray this evening, God, that through the power of your spirit, God, that you will minister to each and every life that are listening, Lord, wherever they are this evening. We ask and pray that the power of your spirit, God, will take full control and minister, oh God. Only you are able to minister. It's only you that are able to convict us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so I pray this evening, Lord, let not the words, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable to your sight, O Lord, our rock and our salvation. God, I pray this evening, Lord, that self will not be seen, but that your name will be glorified. God, that they will, uh, your people will look to you, Father, whom to know is life eternal. And so we give praise and thanks to you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke Gospel, chapter 14, and verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not Bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? Whether he has enough to complete it, otherwise when he has laid a foundation and it is not able to finish it at all, who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the, others, while the other is yet a, far, a great way afar off, he sent a delegation and asked for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. May God bless the reading of his word. As Christians, we are called to publicly declare our faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32, Who, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever or whoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Then the Apostle Paul would have these words to say. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. And you heard Mike's testimony tonight. And that is exactly what, what Paul is talking about, that it is the gospel that has the power to change life and to change the hearts of men and women. So tonight I would like to speak on the cost of discipleship. There is a price to pay, brothers and sisters, 
And you and I have to pay a price to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The passage that we just read here tonight, three times, three times Jesus said, You cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my disciple. Verse 26, verse 27, verse 33. Jesus is not offering, brothers and sisters, you any option. From what you, just read, what you just heard me read here. He's not offering you an, any other option. If you are looking for an alternative or an easy way out, there is none. There is none that you will find. Jesus made it very clear what it will cost you and me to be a disciple. You see, what I love about Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and what I love about the teaching of Christ is that there is no fine print you know, when you read a contract for a, 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 a visa card, you, you just read the very first stop and you don't read the fine prints. And then all of a sudden when you do something, you realize that they are fine prints that you never paid attention to. Well, the gospel has no fine prints. And that's what you just read here. There is no fine prints when it comes to the gospel. Jesus made it very clear what it will cost you and me to be a disciple. There is no hidden agenda. There is no hidden agenda when it comes to the Word of God. You will know ahead of time what is it that you are signing up for, and Mike knows that. Mike did that today. He knows what is it that he signed up for. Ahead of time, brothers and sisters, that is what Jesus has given to us here this afternoon. So with Jesus, like I said, there is no, there is no sale when it comes to the gospel. There is no sale or for sale sign. You see, the, the, the grace he offers, that Jesus Christ offers, does not come cheap. In fact, there is no cheap grace. And if you're looking for a for sale sign on grace, there is none. You cannot find a for sale sign on grace. So let me explain what I mean about that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it best in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. And he has this to say about cheap grace. He said, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Forgiveness without repentance. Baptism without discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without, without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. And I love that about cheap grace. And that is, what, that is what the Bible talks about. Jesus is not offering any cheap grace. You see, the grace that Jesus Christ has to offer is a grace that is costly. A grace that cost God his son, his life. And we see that Christ paid his life on the cross for our sins, shed his blood. Once and for all, for every one of us. And then the age... Dietrich Bonhoeffer has this to say about, about the grace. He says, costly grace, not cheap grace, costly grace, is the gospel which must be sought again and again. The gift which must be asked for. The door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns a sin. And grace because it justifies the sinner. 
Above all, it is costly because it cost God the life of his son. Ye are bought with a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us, brothers and sisters. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but deliver him up for us all. Costly grace is the incarnation of God's son. Dietrich Bonifer has to say that in the cost of discipleship. And, 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 I, and I thank God for those two, two, two descriptions of not only uh, uh, um, cheap grace, but costly grace. And what it means, it means to follow Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what I want to preach on here this afternoon. You see, what the passage of scripture that we read here this afternoon, Jesus talks about three things. It will cost you your relationship with friends and family. That's the first thing. He says, if any man, if anyone, anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Not only will cost you your relationship with friends and family, but it will also cost you your life. Hear what Jesus said in verse 24, 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then in verse 33, it will cost you your possession. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce everything that you have and follow me cannot be my disciple. It will cost you your, your relationship. It will cost you your life. And it will cost you everything. So tonight we are going to look at what it, what it means, to, what it means to, to, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. What it will cost us. And the first thing we're going to look at is that it will cost you your relationship. So first, let me set the context in which Jesus made these statements, brothers and sisters. You see, these minor details are important for us to understand and, and understand the setting as to why Jesus made such a bold statement. No fine prints, nothing for sale. First of all, in verse 14, chapter 14, 25, he says, Now great crowds accompany Jesus. Now we have to understand why Luke is giving us all these details that great crowds. It didn't mean one crowd, two crowds, three. He says many great crowds were following. People from all over were coming. They were not just one. People were following him. They accompanied Jesus. That means they were moving everywhere he goes. Meaning that not only were they moving and following him, but they were just keep going on and on. Wanting to hear what he has to say. Wanting to hear, see the signs and the miracles and the things that he were doing. But some of them were just following because of the signs and the miracles and the things that Jesus were doing. Some of them were following him because of his teachings. Others were observers. Why others were looking to see what they were going to get out of him. And I guess many of you will remember when he fed the 5,000 with two loaves and five fishes. And people fed and full, and they had 12 baskets left over. And so many were coming after him. And they've never seen such men in all of Jerusalem. They've never heard a man spoke like Jesus. And that is the reason why John gives us that Jesus was going to the cross. He was heading to Jerusalem. He was heading to his death. But yet people were following him. They never knew that he was going to die for their sins. And you see, Jesus not only was going to Galilee, if many of them understood what he was going to do, they would maybe have turned their backs from him. But you see, Jesus was always moved with compassion. Anytime you read the gospel, whether Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or any other account, Jesus has always moved with compassion. 
He never turned the crowd away. He always speak to them. He always take time to listen to them and to teach them. But if they knew that he was going to, to, to his death, many of them would have turned their backs and they would not have wanted to continue. Many of them were not willing to face the persecution that he would have faced. And we saw that in Peter. Peter denied him twice when, when, they, when they asked him, weren't you with this man? And he says, no, 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 three times. And the Lord says, you will be the deny me three times. The cock will crow and then you will realize that you have denied me. And not many were willing to die for him. So when Jesus looked at the crowd, not only he saw something different. Just like when he looked at you and me today, no matter where you are, no matter the color of your skin. Where you have come from, what you have done, or what you have left undone. He knows your heart. Bible says he knows the very hair on our head. He knows everything about you. But you see, Jesus, at this point in time, when he looked at the crowd, he was not looking to be famous or popular. That was never the gospel. The gospel was never famous or popular. He was not looking for an opportunity to be known. No, he knew their hearts and he knew why they were following him because of his message and who he was. Most churches today, when they see such a large crowd and people are there, guess what they're going to do? They will take the opportunity and minister the gospel. It's easy to win people and bring people into the church, but not Jesus. Jesus made it clear and laid down the cost of following him. That if they, are going to, if they are going to be his disciple, they must understand what it will cost them. He was not looking to fill the pews or the benches or anything else. The gospel must be preached without compromise, without being watered down, without being preached in such a way that you're only winning people to Christ because you want a church to be filled. No, that is not the gospel Jesus Christ gives. You see, the second thing here, John, we talk about not only the crowd, but... Let us understand what it means to be a disciple. A disciple means a learner or a student. In Jesus' day, they were learning at the feet of Jesus, the 12 apostles. They were learning from him. They, under, they were every single day for three and a half years sit at his feet. So a disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who is born again, who believes in the teaching of Jesus Christ, who rests on the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One who is empowered by the Holy Spirit and lives his life as an example to that which Christ has called him to live. That's a disciple. A disciple is someone who is completely sold out for Jesus Christ. A disciple is someone who loves Jesus more than he loves anything else. Meaning that Jesus and it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus comes first. That is the cost of being a disciple. A disciple is someone whose life is completely dedicated to follow Jesus all the days of his life. A disciple is someone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might. A disciple is someone who is willing to lay down his life for the name of Jesus Christ. He must be willing to die. A disciple is someone totally and completely committed to, the, to walk in obedience to the teaching of Christ. And the list goes on. Tonight I can continue to go on and on on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But I think you get the message. First, it will cost you a relationship. If anyone comes to me, Jesus says, and does not hate his own father and mother and brother and sister and wife and children. Yes, even his own life. 
Forget about all the other relationship, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Now, why is this such a bold statement? Why are these such hard statements that Jesus preached to the crowd? He could have said, you know what, this is a lot of good people. They are coming after me. Why did he have to take such time and preach such a, uh, and pronounce such hard message to them? You see, when Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, he was not calling out a particular group of people, a particular color of, of people, or where you come from, or, what you have, or where you have been, or what you have done. No, he, he did not do that. Anyone means every one of us, no matter where you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you have done. He calls you. He, he identifies you in this statement. So no particular group of people, no tribe, no tongue. Jesus says, anyone who comes to me, that word, those three words, comes to me, is very important. means that you are coming to him and him alone. He didn't say come to me and someone else. Anyone who comes to me, not comes to me and, 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 and some other ism, some other ideology or some other religion. You don't come to Jesus and come with everything else. You have to leave everything behind and follow him. He says, anyone who comes to me, anyone who is willing to follow me, because they were going after him. They were accompanying him. So he had to make the statement very strong and bold. When he calls you, he calls you to follow him, brothers and sisters. That's what it means when he says, come to me. And then the next word in that statement, not only anyone who comes to me, but must hate. Now, why did he use this word hate? And many people, when they read this passage of scripture, they are offended by this word. Some would say that this is contradictory to the teaching of the Bible or what Jesus taught in the gospel. Jesus said love to love your enemies and to do good to them that hate you and despitefully use you and say all manner of thing against you. Now why would he say hate your mother and father and brother when he tells you to love your enemies? Is that contradictory? No, it is not. Why would he tell us to love our neighbors like I love ourselves? Or in, in, in Matthew chapter 27, and he said to him, You shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the greatest and the first commandment. And the second is like this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what is it that he's saying about hate when he looked at the multitude of people and he says, Go hate your mother and brother and sister. He was not saying hate. The word hate does not mean that we are called to this to dislike our loved ones and our friends and family. Instead, the word means that we are to love them less. We are to love them less and love Jesus more. So he said, if you are going to come after me, if you are going to follow me, you got to love everything else less and follow me. I must be the one that you love most of than everything else when it comes to relationship. The cost of, of following Jesus is that you are to love him more, brothers and sisters, more than you do for every other relationship in your life. And then Matthew chapter 10, Jesus will give us the example of what that means. Matthew 10 and verse uh, 37 says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me, he says, if you love your father or mother or brother or sister more than me, is not worthy of me. You see, he used the word more than me. It means that you got to love them less and love me more. He was not contradicting. It's just that the way the word is being used. And those people in, day, in those days know exactly what he was saying. 
they knew exactly what it meant when he said go and hate was not physically was not just to go and dislike them but is that if you're going to take up this walk to follow me and be my disciple like the others you must learn to leave everything and follow me when he called Peter and James they leave their net and follow him they drop everything and follow him and some would say you know what let me go and see my brother and somebody is there Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead and that is the price we are called to pay when we come and when we want to be a disciple, when we want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, I had to make that same, per, that same decision in my life the day when I gave my life to Christ over 30-something years ago. There were relationships that I had to let go of, that I, it was not easy for me to let go. As much as it was hard, I had to pray the price and be obedient to the call of God upon my life. It's either the relationship or Christ, and I had to choose. And I had to choose between friends, and I had to choose between the relationships that were in. But I made those decisions because I knew what it will cost me. But in the end, in the end of after giving up all of that, God changed and transformed my life more and more. But what is your story today? What, is your, what, what are some of the relationships that you are now willing to let go even though you know God is calling you, even though he's saying to you this evening here that you are to love them less and to follow me. He's not telling you to hate them. He's not telling you to stop being with them. He's not telling you none of that. But he says, if they come first in your life more than me, then you're not worthy of me. You're not worthy to follow me. It is only when you are willing to love Jesus more than any other relationship in your life, you will know what that means. Or what it means to love others. It's only until you experience the love of Christ in your heart. Then you have a greater love for your brothers and sisters. The only way that is effective in your life, brothers and sisters, when you love Christ more, you will know what it means to love your enemy. You will know what it means to do good to them that hate you and despitefully use you and say all manner of thing against you. It's only when the love of Christ comes into your heart, only then you know how to demonstrate the love of God in the lives of your friends and your neighbors and your family. Outside of Jesus Christ, you cannot do that, brothers and sisters. Outside of Christ, you do not know what is it to love your enemy. You will never know what it means to go put your neck at a block for the name of Jesus Christ. You will never know that. Not only will it cost you your relationship, but it will cost you your life. Jesus said, whosoever, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me. Now that is the 25th, the 26th, 5th verse I just read, 26. The 27th verse that whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me. First time he said, come to me. Now he's saying, coming after me. The first time he calls you to follow him. You're making a decision to follow. Now he says, now that you have made a decision to follow me, you now got to keep coming after me. It's not just coming and stop. It's not just saying, come and I have arrived. I accept Jesus Christ into my heart and my life and that's it. That is not it, brothers and sisters. You don't come and say, I have arrived. Every single day of your life, you're called to live in relationship to Christ. That is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. He said, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That bearing of the cross means you are not carrying anybody's cross. You're not carrying your brother or sister or mother or your father's cross. You're not leaning on anybody else for your salvation. You must be willing to die. You, that is what it means to carry your cross. Everyone who took their cross 
in the, in the days of the Roman uh, rulership, they knew that they were going to die. Every time they put that cross on their shoulder and carry it, they knew that they were going there to die. There is no coming back. And when you take up the name of Jesus, you must be willing to lay down your life. Every one of his disciples, them, were martyrs. Every one of them gave their life up for Christ. And that is what it means at any point in time. You're going to call to give your life. Come after me, he, Jesus says. That means you got to keep coming. You just don't come and stop. You just don't come on a Sunday morning. You just don't come only when it's Easter. You just don't come when it's Christmas. You just don't only show up when there is baby baptism. You just don't show up when you want to dedicate your child to the church. You just don't show up only when it's a special occasion. It means every single day, 724, 365, your life must be wrapped up in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. I'm not talking about running around and being a holy man and all over. No, every single day, like the Bible says, you must love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Every part of your being and every single day, you must love the Lord. You just don't love him one day and then want to serve him the next. No, you, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you got to come after me. It's a daily laying down of your life, the daily taking up your cross and follow me. Every single day. Throughout his, throughout his ministry, Jesus taught his disciples about self-denial. And that's what it is, taking up your cross mean. Denying yourself. One who is willing is to, is to be in obedience to the command and to walk in that obedience. One Mike did here this afternoon. Is walking in that obedience to say, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. When Peter preached the gospel in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says 3,000 people give their life to Christ. And on that same day, a couple days after, they were all baptized. That is what it means, brothers and sisters. You just don't accept Christ and say, well, I'm good here. No, 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 no. You follow after his command. You walk in obedience to his word. When you give your life over to Christ, the only right you have, brothers and sisters, the, when the only right you have as a Christian is to die. You have no other right on the face of this earth, only to die when you, name, when you are named after the name of Jesus. You have forfeited all other rights when you give your life to Christ. Hear what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world? In some translation, the King James, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what can anyone give exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his father's glory with angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done but what will it profit you if you gain this whole world and lose your soul you can't take anything you bring nothing in this world and you will never take anything back but there is only one thing that you will take is the assurance of salvation knowing that your life is hid in Christ as Paul said nevertheless I live I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live 
I no longer live after the flesh, but I live after the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. And Paul says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Righteousness is not through the law. And not only did he says we're going to give up our relationship, we must give up our relationship. We must deny everything about ourselves and take up our cross. He says, Kung the cost. And he gives two examples. He says, what will, what will a man do when he go build a house? He must first Kung the cost. When he lays the foundation, he must Kung the cost. He must know how much it's going to cost him before he build. He says, if they can do that much more, you and I, who wants to follow him, must Kung the cost. Cost is that you must be able to let go of everything else. And that's the third point. It will cost you everything. Here what verse 33 says, So therefore anyone who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. What does this passage mean? This one verse, renounce everything. Jesus said those who will follow him must renounce everything. It means everything that you love more than Jesus, whether it's your, your house, your car, no matter what it is, your material possession, no matter what it is. In this passage, it didn't say material possession, but anything that comes between you and your relationship with God, anything that comes between you and your relationship with Christ will hinder that work. Anything that comes between you and that relationship becomes an idol in your life. You love that thing more. You worship that thing more. You will worship what you love more and what you love most. But when you love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, you will worship him. You will surrender everything for Christ. When Jesus said his disciples them out for the first time as an example, he says in, 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 in Mark chapter 5, he says, go. And he breathed on them to go two by two. And then he told them, take no money, take no bread, take no bag. Just take the staff because they had to solely depend on him. Because if they want to see the providence of God, if they want to experience what it means to be a disciple, they have to learn what it means to go with no money, no bag, no bread, no food, no money. You can't buy anything. No sandals on your feet. They got to learn that. It was a hard price for them to pay to prove that they were willing to pay the price for the, for the journey that is ahead of them. So what Jesus is saying here is that you must solely depend on him, brothers and sisters. If you are going to follow him, you must solely depend on, on him for every need. But first, you must give up every other idol in your life. Everything that stands between you and your relationship with Christ, you need to give it up. And there is no ifs about it. And there is no buts about it. There is no option. Like I said earlier on, he didn't give you an option. He says you either love him or you love something else. The, the Bible says that you cannot love two masters at the same time. You will hate one and you will love the other. If you say you love Jesus, then you got to give everything else up. You got to renounce it. That is his word. That's no, these are not my words. Like I said, there is no hidden agenda with the gospel. There is no hidden agenda in the preaching of the gospel. There is no, there is no cheap grace. There is a price to pay to follow Jesus. And that is the cost that you hear this afternoon. And the Apostle Paul would say, whatever things were gained to me, those things I come them but lost or but done, but to know Christ, to win Christ. So once again, 
Nothing must come between you and your relationship with Christ. And if there is something in your life today, whether it's your car or your house, or whatever it is, you name it. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's something that you hold up so dearly and you says, I love this thing. And I'm not willing to let go. Jesus says, you need to put it at the foot of the cross. And that's what he's saying to them. If you, all of you that are going to follow me, think about this. And you know what? After that, John didn't give an account how many were following him after. But I believe from that many crowd, or maybe before 20,000 or whatever number of people, maybe there were just a few handful of them that were willing to say, I'm going to follow. I hear that word and I'm going to follow. And many people are going to hear the gospel, the Bible says, but in the last day, that's what's going to happen. Too late, too late shall be the cry. In the last day, many will be surprised. You see, there is no for sale sign, brothers and sisters. It's not, it's not cheap grace that I'm offering here this afternoon. To follow Christ means it is going to cost you. And that's why I think it's, it, it, you know, when I listen to Mike's testimony here this afternoon, I was moved with, 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 with some of the things that he said because I know where he came from. And his testimony is, 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 is amazing because of the mighty work of God upon his life. I knew my own personal life. And many of you that are here today listening can, can attest to what God has done in your life. When you reflect back from where you have come from and what God has done in your life and the way he has changed and transformed you. Only God, Holy Spirit can do that in your life. So to be a disciple and to bring this service to a close, it will cost you your relationship. It will cost you everything. It will cost you your life, and it will cost you everything that you love more than Jesus. But at the end, there is always hope, brothers and sisters, not only when you give it up. It's only those who give their life to Christ has an assurance of salvation that after all of this is over, after all of life is over and a work on a heart and here on earth is done, when all of life is over and our work on earth is here is done, there is much laid up for us, for you and me, because that's the promise, that's what we hope, that's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that the death is not the end, the grave is not the end for us. There is a hope beyond the grave. Jesus says, because I live, you shall live also. And everyone who put their trust in him can be assured of salvation can be sure of eternal life, can be assured of that today. And that's what Jesus has to offer. And we have this living hope. Every one of us who put our hope in Jesus Christ. Not only for now, but for all eternity. Amen. Shall we bow our heads? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for the price that you laid on what it will cost us to follow you. It will cost us our relationship. It will cost us our life. And God, it will cost us everything that we love more than you. And I pray, God, for every one of us that heard your word here this evening, God, that they will take a look deep down in their heart and, and check themselves and, and, and be convicted of God of what you are saying to them this evening. God, I pray that you will touch them and continue to speak to their heart. It's not about friends, and it's not about family, and it's not about everything else, it's, but it's about you. So to follow you, there is a price to pay. And so this evening, Lord, we give you praise and give you thanks for your word and give you thanks for what you're doing in every heart and life. And for those that don't know you, Father, I pray God will come to know you. 
And Lord, I pray for anyone this afternoon that are willing to surrender their life over to you, God, that you will take hold of their life and bring them to the foot of the cross. And God, I pray that you will change and transform their life just like you did in my life, just like you did in so many others, God, that are here today that are listening. And, and even to Mike, God, the way that you have changed and transformed his life. Let his, oh God, his testimony be a blessing to others and continue, Lord, to do a work in the hearts and the lives of your people. So we give you praise and give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.